that's broken like the first morning blackbird has spoken like the first bird praise for the singing praise for the morning praise for the Hey, Larry here, Acts 29 today, coming to you from Sunny World Headquarters, somewhere in the world. The rain's new fall, sun from heaven, like the first king fall on the first breath, praise for the sweetness of like to welcome all my listeners in Thailand and around the world to this edition where you don't have to wait for five minutes or four minutes or even three minutes or even one minute because Acts 29 today starts right now. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, it's been a... Uh, been a little while, uh, had some few challenging things happen over the past few weeks, but all was good. So, the introduction song today was Morning is Broken. It is a, a Christian hymn that was first published in 1931 by the English author Eleanor Farjan, was inspired by the village of Alfriston in East Sussex, then set to a traditional Scottish Gaelic tune. It is often sung in children's services and at funerals. <laughs> so it was made popular, of course, by the folk singer Cat Stevens, back in 1971, and uh, reached number one on the U.S. Easy Listening Chart in 1972. And that was the year that I actually was born a second time, was in 1972. So there's a little history for you. Uh, so... I'm gonna get into. Uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna get into uh, what is probably gonna be a little bit of a series called "Hey Jude," because we're gonna be uh, taking a look at some really exciting things from the Book of Jude. Pretty easy book to look at because there's only one chapter, but it's. Uh, one of the most revelatory important chapters in the whole Bible. And of course, one of my favorite chapters for many reasons. So, uh, you probably thought, well, why didn't you start out the program with, hey, Jude? Well, because... 
That song really doesn't do much for me. <laughs> so I didn't want to connect that with uh, the Jude of the Bible. So, you know, I was just thinking today as I was getting ready to do the the podcast, uh, just how amazing it is that... You know, the the brightest people and the brightest minds and the, you know, all this stuff. You know, like that guy that died a while back that talked through his throat like this and keep looking for the origins of the universe. You know, that guy and all these people that the world puts up on a pedestal as, you know, the brightest and smartest and blah 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 and yet they can go a lifetime and miss the whole meaning of life you know miss the whole origin of the universe miss you know (laughs) what is going on here and completely miss it, even though they're touted as the top of everything in the world's eyes. You know, Einstein said once that the two most important days of your life is is the day you were born and the day you find out why. Now that makes sense to the world and in the world's eyes. But as I thought about it, I thought, well, now hold it. Because in the spiritual sense, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you were born the second time. Those are the two most important days of your life. Because you can find out why you think you were born in the world's eyes and you can discover your lower life and all your talents and abilities and, and you can you can run with those in the natural world and become, you know, rich and famous and on and on because you found your natural abilities and you followed your dream. You chased your dream. It's all about your dream you know, and you find that, but you lose God's dream. You lose the higher life, and you forfeit, you know, everything that's going to go on for eternity and trade it in for a temporal best life now on this planet. In this world, Proverbs says there's a man who looks like he's rich and has all kinds of wealth and material things and, you know, fame and fortune, but yet he has nothing of eternal value. Nothing of eternal value. Wow. There's another man who looks like he has nothing in this world yet has indescribable riches of eternal wealth because of his inheritance in Christ. 
And, man, I'm overwhelmed all the time, you know, just at the grace of God, the goodness of God, that he, you know, that he found me when I wasn't even looking. I had no no interest whatsoever in any of this stuff. I wasn't. I wasn't headed in this direction in a billion years. <laughs> in fact, I was going the opposite direction. But he found me. He found me. Sitting on the beach in Southern California watching sunsets going, what is going on? You know, at 20 years old, 21 years old, I'm looking out here and asking questions about the universe. What, What is going on? What am I doing here? Where did I come from? Where am I going? What is, what is this? We're born, we live, we die, and nobody bothers to ask why. So I begin to ask why. I begin to ask those questions. And I keep asking those questions, you know. I keep asking them in the faith because God is so good to reveal to us the things that we need to know, you know, that we question and we ask, why is this? Why is that? How does this work? So, you know, as we go into... uh, this chapter of Jude, I'm not, I'm not going into the whole chapter because, you know, there's a lot there. I'm just taking some things that are very important. And this is, this is probably one of the most important podcasts that I will ever do uh, because it, cont- it will contain some ways to guarantee that you and I will not be deceived. You know, the Bible says that the deception would become so great that even the very elect, the elect, that's God's chosen people, the very elect, would be deceived if it were possible. If it were possible. Well, that tells me that it's not possible for the elect to be deceived. And so, I need to find out how can I not be deceived by any deception spiritually. And there are ways... And from this, this study, we will be able to discern deception, walk free from it, and live a life by faith that was once delivered to the early believers. A faith that was once delivered to the early believers, the church, not a building, not a building, the church, the ecclesia, the iglesias. 
the called out ones, the separated ones, the chosen of God. We're going to take a look at what was stolen from that early believers, body of believers. So what I was quoting there was Matthew 24, 24. It says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise, and they will show great signs and wonders, so as to deceive and lead astray, if possible, the elect, God's chosen ones. If possible. Well, if possible tells me that it's not possible for the elect to be led astray by false Christ and false prophets. False Christ isn't isn't just these clowns wandering around in robes and beards saying they are Christ, they are Jesus. There's a few of those around, but that's pretty obvious to most of us that that uh, those are whack jobs. <clears throat> those aren't the ones that are going to be the greatest deceivers. Uh, because it's easy to tell that they're that they're false. False Christ is Christ is the anointing. And these are false anointings, false prophets. They come and they do great signs and wonders. And then the people believe what they say because of these signs and wonders. And that's how they deceive and lead astray. Now, I've been around the block a few times since 19, early 1972. And I've been through three or four of some of the biggest moves of God uh, since then. And I've seen, uh, I've seen some stuff. And, you know... And, you know, I went through the whole sensationalist thing of the diamonds on the floor and the feathers and the gold dust and 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 some of that stuff. I, I went through some of that movement. And uh, and one of the one of the wildest things I saw was there was this lady from, uh, I don't know, Venezuela or South America somewhere. And her testimony was she was sick, had all kinds of stuff wrong. I mean, you name it, she had it. And she was dying, 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 dying. And uh, somewhere along the line, I don't remember all the details, but uh, she received a great healing and in her body. And she was totally healed. And back to a normal life and you know nobody could even hardly believe it she was so close to death uh but they had this woman in this meeting and she kind of gave this testimony and then uh a couple of people came up alongside of her on the platform 
and uh, one of them opened up a Bible in front of her, and she leaned over, kind of bowed her head over, and this gold dust stuff started coming out of her head, out of her hair, and I mean, it wasn't, you know, just a, something you had to strain to look at, to see, it was like Niagara Falls, man. I mean, this this gold stuff was coming out of her hair onto this Bible and just overflowing off of the, running off all the edges of the Bible. I mean, it's like you could have filled a, you know, a three-gallon bucket with this stuff. And it was all over the floor and stuff, and it was just coming out of her head. <laughs> you know, and I'm going, wow, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was, but it was a, you know, it was like a great sign and a wonder. And, you know, so whatever this woman said or did or whatever, you know, I mean, everybody just kind of flocked, flocked to her because of this. And, um, you know, it, it, whatever it was, but you know, to me, I learned through the years that, you know, if if these signs and wonders point to the person, then I can, you know, walk away from that and say, well, you know, I'm not going to be drawn to anything because of this, because it pointed to the person, not not to Jesus. And so... You know, that's kind of my gauge, you know. But anyway, you know, I just, I went through a lot of that kind of stuff in those days. So, what I'm saying is, is that there are ways that it says, if possible, even the elect would be deceived. If possible. If possible. So, to me, that means it's not possible. If we do and follow God's word as far as deception is concerned. So, learning to discern this, and so without some of these things I'm going to talk about making an entrance into my life, you know, years ago, uh, I'd probably still be going to church living the rest of the week for myself, believing that there is not any more, that that is it. Just getting saved and then trying to hold on till I die, you know, and, and go to heaven. Or worst case, because of the frustration of not knowing how to grow up in Christ and discover my purpose and destiny in God, I might have just gone back to doing my own thing full time and and just put all this spiritual stuff aside because, you know, I wasn't interested in a powerless dead form of some religion. I was not interested in that. I was not interested in religion. That's why I came to faith and believing outside of a building, probably, is because I wasn't interested in anything in a building. You know, I wasn't drawn to that. Uh, that didn't 
that didn't have anything. There was nothing there for me that I said, oh, I need to go check this out. You know, so I wasn't interested in a powerless dead form of some religious activity. You know, I wanted real answers for real questions that I had. So, I'm just going to read a couple things out of uh, out of some scriptures here. If I can get this thing to work. And the first one is in Acts. Acts 20. And I'm just kind of building a foundation here. Acts 20, uh, 28 through 35. Take care and be on guard for yourselves and the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you, bishops and guardians, to shepherd, tend, and feed, and guide the church of the Lord of God, which he obtained for himself, buying it, saving it for himself with his own blood. And know that after I am gone, this is Paul talking, know that after I, Paul, the apostle, after this apostolic anointing is gone, ferocious wolves will get in among you, not sparing the flock. The reason that ferocious wolves can come in and not spare the flock is that when the apostolic anointing is not present, they can get in. Because the true apostolic anointing will discern, will discover, will see who these wolves are, and they won't allow them in the flock. That's, that's why the first disciples were appointed apostles, because of that ministry, because of that strong anointing that, that doesn't put up with any of this nonsense. You know, there's pastors who'll let, they'll let a wolf in just as quick as they'll let a sheep in. You know, they don't, they don't discern. They, they can't, they can't, <laughs> some of them can't tell the difference, you know. And I've been there, done that, seen a lot of it. And I'm going, why is this guy here? Why, why are you letting this guy preach? Do you know, you have any idea of what? you know, is going on in his life and, and some of the stuff that he actually believes. Oh, well, you know, we just like to give everybody a chance here and, you know. <laughs> okay, well, the wolf's in the in the flock. <laughs> you know, it's like the fox in the hen house, you know. It's, what could possibly go wrong, right? After I'm gone... Ferocious wolves will get in among you, not sparing the flock. Even from among your own selves, men will come to the front. Men will come to the front who by saying perverse, distorted, and corrupt things will endeavor to draw away the disciples after them to their own party. To their own party. Okay? They're separating. There's a separation going on here, and we're going to talk about that separation. 
Therefore, be always on the alert and guard, being mindful that for three years, three years, I never stopped night or day seriously to admonish, advise, and exhort you one by one with tears. Okay, this is discipleship. Night and day for three years. And now, brethren, I commit you to God, to his charge, and trusting you to his protection and care. I commend you to the word of his grace, to the commands and counsels and promises of his unmerited favor. He's commending him to them to the word of God because it is able to build you up and to give you your rightful inheritance among all God's set-apart ones, those consecrated, purified, and transformed of soul. Wow. I coveted no man's silver or gold or costly garments. They leave that one out every, every Sunday. You yourselves know personally that these hands ministered to my own needs and those of the persons who were with me. In everything I have pointed out to you by example, that by working diligently in this manner, we ought to assist the weak, being mindful of the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed and makes one happier and more to be envied to give than receive. Wow. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 15 through 23. You know, I, they say that in Hollywood, it's... Uh, The best way to get ahead is is not what you know, but who you know. But who you know that is the most important. But I heard uh, a pretty famous Hollywood uh, celebrity say the other day that, that he didn't find that to be true. What he found to be true, that it wasn't who you know, but it was who knows you that was the most important. It's not who you know, it's who knows you. That's really important. And when you cross that over spiritually, wow, that is true. Matthew seven fifteen. Beware of false prophets. Sounds familiar. Who come to you dressed as sheep but inside they are devouring wolves you will fully recognize them by their fruits do people pick grapes from thorns or figs from thistles even so every healthy sound tree bears good fruit worthy of admiration but the sickly decaying worthless tree bears bad worthless fruit a good healthy tree cannot bear worthless fruit, nor can a bad diseased tree bear excellent fruit worthy of admiration. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Okay, 
We're talking about a tree here, and you'll see in Jude, it talks about trees that were twice dead, plucked up by the roots, is one of the definitions of these men that came in and stole the faith of the early church. Trees twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Well, to me, that's... That's somebody who became a tree. They were born again. But then somewhere along the line, they went into deception. And they became twice dead. And we know that the state of that person is worse off than if they'd never heard the word at all. We know what the word says about that twice dead, plucked up by the roots. He says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Therefore, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will or the word, his will is his word, he who does the will the word of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not driven out demons in your name? Have we not done, have, and done many mighty works in your name? This all sounds pretty good, right? And then I will say to them openly, publicly, I never knew you. See, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Paul said, my one aim is to know him and the power of his resurrection and his sufferings. And then later he says, so that he may become known as in him that I would be known as in him, that God would know him as in Christ, that I could become known as in him, to be known. These people thought they knew the Lord because they said, have we not prophesied and driven out demons and done mighty works? In your name, then I will say to them openly in public, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. Wow. Pretty much takes care of once saved, always saved. Of course, Revelation takes care of that too. But this is, this is serious stuff, you know. This is serious, serious stuff we're talking about now. Colossians 2. I'm going to go a little over my time today because I need, to get, I need to get through this part of it. Colossians 2. Also on this I knew you thing, I... I lived in this small town once, and, uh, you know, most everybody in the town knew each other, but I was new there, and I didn't know everybody. I was staying in this trailer park thing in a bus, 
and uh, converted Greyhound bus that uh, a guy loaned me to stay in for a while. And somebody in the town <clears throat> came to the trailer park one day and told the owner that uh, he wanted to rent a space and the guy wanted a recommendation, so he told him, uh, Larry Beck, uh, I know him and, you know, he'll recommend me. And the guy said, oh, yeah, I know Larry. And, and uh, so, you know, he was thinking... Okay, well, I'll take your application, and uh, I'll get back to you tomorrow. So when I came back that evening, you know, the trailer park guy talked to me, and he said, hey, he said, this friend of yours came by and said you recommended him to rent a space here. I was like, yeah, who's that? He told me this guy's name, and I said, wow, really? He said, yeah, he said he knows you, and, you know, your friends, and blah, blah, blah. I said, wow. I said, well, I hate to tell you, but uh, I don't know this guy. I don't know him. I've, I wouldn't know him if I saw him. I've never heard of him. And I have no clue of who this guy is. And he certainly <laughs> doesn't know me. <laughs> and I'm certainly not his friend because I've never met him. I have no clue who he is. Guy's like, really? This guy talked like he's known you and blah, blah, blah. I said, no. I have no clue who this guy is. Well, this guy knew something about me, you know, because of some other people that he'd talked to. And they told him about me and whatever. But he didn't know me, and I certainly didn't know him. So sometimes it's pretty important who knows us, not just who we know. So Colossians 2, 4, I say this in order that no one may mislead, delude you by plausible and persuasive and attractive arguments and beguiling speech. And then verse 8, see to it that no one carries you off as spoil or makes you yourselves captive by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism, vain deceit, idle fancies, and plain nonsense. Following human tradition, men's ideas of the material world rather than the spiritual world, just crude notions following the rudimentary and elemental teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of the Messiah. Wow. Well, I was around some New Agers once, and uh, we kind of had it out one day. And we were talking about the Bible and uh, Jesus and some different things. And, man, I could not believe some of the stuff these people were talking about. Uh, and they were men's ideas of the material world. And just elementary teachings of the universe, you know, that they were all dancing around the fire naked on the full moon, you know, that kind of stuff. And... Uh, 
But the one thing that I really saw was that they disregarded the teachings of Christ. I mean, they just totally disregarded them. And so when I look at... Uh, when I look at what this verse says, uh, be not deluded. Delude means to make someone believe something that's not true. To make someone believe something that's not true. That's delusion. Having an appearance of truth or reason seemingly worthy of approval or acceptance something credible, believable, well-spoken, and apparently but often deceptively worthy of confidence or trust. And when we talk about these people, next time you'll see what I mean. Don't be beguiled, persuaded, attracted, or interest someone sometimes in order to deceive them. He was completely beguiled by her beauty. The salesman beguiled him into buying a car that he did not want. Wow. Wow. Well, next week we're going to go on from here and uh, I believe that we will actually get into into the first part of uh, Jude one there, and uh, I just wanted to set up a little little foundation. Of course, there's so much more to all this, but I think that's enough for uh, for one time. Mine is the sun. So this is Larry, Acts 29 today. Thank you for tuning in. And I will see you on the next one. God bless. Bye-bye. Like the first Praise for the morning, praise for the spring, fresh from the world. All together, everybody now sing it. <laughs>